this Be In Health conference is coming up. You may not know much about it. It's about getting well and healthy. And maybe you've had some nagging illnesses that you just can't get rid of. That might be a good thing to go to. A number of our people have gotten healed and freed because of the principles from Scripture they've learned. That's next weekend. Pull up this. Hold. Everybody get one of these? Hold it up. Let me show you how to use it. Okay? Did you all get one? Okay. Let me show you how to use it. This thing is divided up into six weeks. Turn to page two. I want to give you the themes of what we're praying for. If you've never prayed with your children much, this is a good way to do it. Husbands and wife, this is a good way to do it. You got a men's Bible study, this is a good way to do it. So on page number two, this is a theme for week one. We're asking Jesus to revive his church. And at the bottom on the right-hand side, we're going to pray for every country in the world over 40 days, all of them. And we're starting out with the Americas and Caribbeans. Now turn to page 14. Page 14, we're going to spend seven days praying for lost people. Do you know any lost people? And then we're praying for Asia and the Pacific. Turn to page number 22. This is the third week. Look at this thing. We're praying for unreached people groups and we're praying for all the countries of this huge continent of Africa turn to page 30 we're asking that the righteousness of, righteousness of Jesus come to our cities that righteousness would reign instead of darkness and we're praying should we pray for the peace of Europe would that be yes we're praying for the countries of Europe and Central Asia. Then turn to, let's go ahead and turn to 38. Maybe I missed it. Did we just do 38? 46, we are welcoming King Jesus on Palm Sunday. So we'll join maybe half a million or a million Christians praying over 40 days. Now, Lord, as we study the scripture, would you release a spirit of prayer among every person here like never before? In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Now turn to Revelation, Revelation chapter 5. And as you're finding Revelation chapter 5, let me tell you a story. As Ryan said earlier, our vision is to see lives transformed by the presence of God. When God shows up, lives get changed. So here's the story. There's a gentleman from Texas seven years ago that he loved estate sales. Do you like estate sales? And he saw online this particular chest, this dresser. And he looked at that beautiful marble countertop and he thought, man, that would look great in my kitchen. So he went and he bid $100. He said, my wife will love this. And so he got it. So he and his buddy were loading the chest in his pickup truck and they turned it over. And when they turned it over, they heard an unusual sound. They saw, heard a bunch of stuff rattling around inside. He went, that's odd. What is that? Because we've looked through all the drawers. There's nothing in it. So they got it back out of the pickup truck. He squatted down. And he found in the bottom drawer a hidden compartment. How many want to go to estate sales today? And he and his buddy were amazed. And what they found in this hidden compartment. You know what they found? Gold. Diamonds. Jewelry with rubies, sapphires. They found currency that was valuable. They found some medals from World War II. And they found memorabilia from the Civil War. And he goes... Good day for me. 
But he said, I can't do that. I paid $100 for a chest. I'm a Marine. The family who didn't know they had this, they deserve the treasure. So I will buy the chest and I will find the family and I will give the treasure to them. And that's exactly what he did. Now, as we think about prayer, I want you to think in a new way how valuable your prayers are. Immeasurable. A hundred dollar prayer might yield a hundred thousand dollar changed life. And we need to think differently about prayer. Now, this is not in your notes, but I want you to write this down because this is the most important thing I will say today. Okay, very, very important. This will be life-changing. If you can get your head around this, well, what is it, Steve, and you folks watching online? The greatest determining factor for your success over your lifetime, for your family success, is one thing. It's your understanding of prayer and your ability to practice prayer. As prayer goes in your life, so your life goes. So during this 40 days of prayer, I don't want you to be thinking, matter of fact, you may want to write this down in the margin too. I don't want you to be thinking about a perfect prayer life. I want you to think about a growing, everyone say growing, one more time, a growing prayer life. That's a goal. It'll never be perfect, but I want it to keep my prayer life going. Now, let's read what John, the apostle, saw in this revelation he got, and starting at verse 1 of chapter 5. You got your Bibles? Hello, you got your Bibles? Okay. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. It was a scroll. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the book and to break the seals? And there was no one in heaven no one on earth, no one under the earth that was able to open the book or even look into it. And John said, I began to weep greatly because there was no one found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And I want you to pay attention to each phrase and sentence. One of the elders, everyone say elders, said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with four living creatures. How many? And the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Verse 7, he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, watch, and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding two things, a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the, fill in the blank, which are the? Of the saints. Now that phrase is mentioned two other times for a total of three times in chapter five and chapter eight. Now, I'm not teaching you about every one of these things. I don't have time. You've got your Bible, you can study. The four living creatures are seraphim or seraphim, and the meaning of those Greek words are the burning ones. They had four massive wings. They are the closest to the throne, which says to me they are probably the most powerful and have the most authority. 
And the elders, these 24 most honored governmental leaders in heaven. Some people say they're angels. I don't think so. I think they are mortals that have gone on to heaven. Jesus said that if you do these things, you're faithful. One day you will be honored. And I think these are the 24 most honored servants of Jesus throughout church history. And then point number three, we see two different pictures, two different creatures. We see a lamb. Everyone say lamb. And we see a lion. And both of them are pictures of who? Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why these two pictures, Steve? Because we see in the lamb Jesus' humility. And we all should pray, Lord, make me more humble. I want to... I wanna, I want less of me, more of you. I want my life to be about you and other people and not about me. And we see his tenderness. Has Jesus been tender to you? Hold your hand up. Has he been tender to you? Oh my, he's been tender to me. And we should be tender to him and tender to other people, not hard-hearted. And then the picture of the lion pictures his ferocity, his fearlessness, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now we see an unusual picture here. We see the lamb actually has seven horns. And seven in scripture is a number of perfection, completeness. And it's a horn in the Old Testament was a symbol of strength. So the lamb has perfect and complete power. There's no czar, there's no president, there's no premier, there's no general, there's no demon, there's no nothing, no drug lord greater than this one. And they will all bow before him one day. And then the seven eyes show that he knows everything perfectly. He sees everything all the time. And both of these should give us great comfort. Now we see the seven spirits of God which speak. Remember, seven is perfection. Seven is completeness. The perfect, complete ministry of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, 2 is my verse for the year. I don't pray it every day, but I try to pray Isaiah 11, 2. Now, the lamb, you see this motion in the passage. The lamb approaches the throne, and Daniel chapter 7 is a parallel to this chapter. The lamb approaches what Daniel, who Daniel calls the Ancient of Days. Repeat that, please, the Ancient of days, who is the heavenly father? And he takes the scroll from the hand of the heavenly father. What is the scroll? I believe the scroll is a title deed to earth. A man gave the title deed away to earth to Satan. Now, the God man, the infinite God man, reclaims the title deed as the son of living God. And actually, what you see, we read it quickly, it's huge. It's big. It's a celebration. It is the commissioning of the king of heaven, the prince, who in chapter 5 takes his rightful place of rule over everything. Someone say amen. This is good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now we see the leadership of heaven respond to the commissioning of the king, the, the king of heaven. We see the seraphim and we see the 24 elders. They fall down prostate, prostrate, excuse me, two different things. <laughs> I 
I will not say what I'm thinking. I should not say that. <laughs> All you men at my age, that's very funny. I'm embarrassed. I'm ready to go home. They fall down. I will boo too. So they fall down before the Lord. Have you ever done that? Some of you have never done that. Have you ever done that at home? Have you ever done that even in your backyard? You're welcome to do it right here. It's the most surrendering act of worship you can do. Lord, I don't have anything and I need you so bad. And I love you and I honor you. It's a great, great form of worship. And as the 24 elders fall down, they cast harps before the Lord. And the harps indicate that they are not only powerful rulers, they are powerful worshipers. How many love to worship Jesus? Say amen. Say, I love Jesus. Jesus looks for people that will worship him in spirit and truth. It's more important to worship on Mondays than it is on Sundays. We're worshipers, and these 24 are worshipers. And then they also are holding golden bowls of incense, which are the, what's in the bowls? The prayers of the saints. It says it three different times. Let me do a little coaching about prayer. I want you, when you leave today, to have more faith. I want you to desire to pray more. I want you to desire to learn to meet with others so you can learn to pray with them and pray more on target. The first thing I want to say to you about your prayer life is your prayers are heard. The devil tells you your prayers are not. Have you ever had times where you thought, man, I'm just wasting my time. My prayers aren't going anywhere. I'm not getting any answers. I don't hear what the voice of the Lord is saying to me. Don't give up. The scripture says this, that your prayers are heard. Call to me and I will answer you, Jesus says. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things, Jeremiah. One day I was walking, this has been 20 years ago, and it's one of those, I've, I've always been a prayer walker. I do better when I read my Bible, get on a warm coat, go pray. And uh, this particular day, I felt like, man, my prayers are going nowhere. I am bored. I'm not connecting with God. I don't even know if he's paying attention. And I had all these doubts and insecurities going on. You know what I'm talking about? And the voice of the Lord spoke to my heart. He just cut through all that blasé feeling I had. And he said this to my heart, just in a flash. He said, Steve, I hear you all the time. I hear you when you don't think I'm listening. Steve, get out of depending on your feelings. I'm just as close to you when you can't feel it as I am when your tears are running down your cheek. I tell you, that freed me up. That freed me up. That really freed me up. And so those bowls are filled with your prayers, and they're carried to the very throne of God. Let us go boldly to the throne of grace. The Father invites us. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find the grace we need in time of need. He's asking you to come. He is disappointed when you don't come because he's wanting to help you. Turn to your neighbor and say, say, whatever they are, brother, sister, cousin. Say, cousin, cousin, let's fill up some bowls today. Go ahead and turn, turn to your cousin. Say, cousin, let's fill up some bowls today. Let's fill up some bowls. Church, let's fill up some bowls. Wife, let's fill up some bowls. Let's fill up some bowls. And apparently at some point in time at the end of the age when Jesus is ready to return, the bowls will be completely full. Pretty exciting. 
Let's talk about the Saints. They are not a football team in New Orleans. And they are not what some of the portions of the body of Christ have made them to be. The Saints, I don't want to burst your bubble, they are not some kind of elite class of Christians that the Lord will answer these prayers from these people, but the rest of us common folk, he's not into answering us because we're not in the in crowd. That's not what a saint is. Let me tell you something else what saints are not. They are not mediators for our prayer. You don't need a mediator. And the great servants of Christ are in heaven now don't want you praying to them. They do not want you praying to them. Say this verse from 1 Timothy chapter 2, please. For there is one and one between God and mankind, the man, Christ, Jesus. Who's our mediator? Jesus is. Well, who are saints? Saints are all believers. Saints are all believers that have given their heart to Jesus, that have been washed in the blood. They were saved by grace. Everyone say saved by grace. Through faith. Say it. Saved by grace through faith. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says. If you are not a saint, you are an ain't. Not an aunt or an uncle. So the censors in the Old Testament that the priests would use in the tabernacle and the temple. Do you know the difference? The tabernacle is a movable tent. And when they built a permanent structure until the Babylonians destroyed it, that was the temple. So they were golden pans, golden bowls, suspended by a rope or suspended by a chain that were used by priests in the tabernacle or the temple. And this is what some of my Greek Orthodox friends, if you've ever been to Greek Orthodox service, a priest, he will carry uh, incense on something that looks uh, like that. And why? They're transporting fiery coals from the brazen altar. Now look what's on the screen. Is this the tabernacle or the temple? Which one? What is it? The tabernacle. Now you see where the blaze is right here? That is the bronze or brazen altar. So the animals were killed as sin offerings why, Steve, that seems awfully gory and yucky. It was. Why? It's a picture of what Jesus would do. That sin is costly. That sin will take your life. In order for something to live, something has to die. That was the whole picture. It was pointing everybody to Jesus. So the offering, the sacrifices would be burned here. And then a priest would use kind of a shovel-like deal, put some of the coals in the golden bowl, and take it to the altar of incense. You see that? It's a little box wrapped in gold. It's about this wide, this deep, and about that tall. And there were four kinds of spices mixed together that were placed on top of the altar of incense. And that represented the prayers of God's people to the Father. Okay, if you've never studied the tabernacle of the temple, you got two compartments. A lot of compartments, but the two main ones are the holy place where this was, the altar of incense. So the priest goes in there and he puts the coals on top of that, those spices. 
the fire comes and the aroma of God's people's prayers would drift over through the curtain separating the second part. The holy of holies that nobody could go into except once a year, the high priest. And the father would be pleased at his people praying and repenting of their sins. Now, Israel's my favorite place in the world. Um, on two occasions I've been there, I got to go to the Temple Institute. It is not on tourist deals. I don't even know if they want you to find it. It's orthodox, committed Jews from all around the world that have put millions of dollars into this. First time I went on a tour, there's about 25 of us. I think I only went because I got, I heard somebody talking about it and I said, let's go to this, let's go to this. So there's a 20-year-old Jewish woman from Chicago, spoke perfect English. She gave us like an hour and a half tour. What's inside are recreations of every artifact in the temple. When I say recreations, these are not museum pieces. These committed Jews are going to use this in the third temple. You see the silver trumpets? You see the harps? Those are the harps like David would have used and like his worship leaders would have used. So they're getting ready. The time comes when you hear construction on top of the Temple Mount for the third temple, you know Jesus is very, very near. And these Jews are getting ready for it. So what you see, this is a recreation. Look, you see that shovel or fire pan that the high priest would get live coals out and put some of them in the censer. See the censer to the left? So they're already rebuilding these. And that is a high priest's clothing down to the finest detail and a Levite's clothing and there's the altar of incense. You see it? Now, what's such a big deal for us in prayer? It's a picture of prayer. In Luke chapter 1, there's an older priest. He and his wife have tried to have children for 30 years. It has been heartbreaking. She's at the place now. She could not have a child. And Zacharias won the lottery because the 12 tribes, the, the, the different sections of the priesthood, would draw lots to see if they could serve in the temple, and they only may get to do this once in their lifetime, and some of them never get to do it. It's a high honor. So Zechariah is chosen, and he goes into the holy place, and he's standing to the left of the altar of incense, and all of a sudden, a huge super being appears on the other side. You're talking about scaring the fire out of him. And he says this, Zechariah. The Father has heard your prayer. And you and Elizabeth are going to have a child. And this is no ordinary child. This is the Father's plan. I want you to call him John. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be the forerunner who will prepare the entire nation for the Messiah. And did, his, did he do a good job? Yeah, because we're in the room. He did a great job. Now, the priest would take the holy coals of fire to the incense table twice a day at the morning and the evening sacrifices. And that's another picture of the brazen altar. So these prayers in the golden bowls <clears throat> are an aggregate or combination of prayers through the centuries, through every nation, every tribe, every tongue, 
since Christ's resurrection. And they are collected in these bowls. They are about everyone, and they are about everything that you have ever prayed for that fit in God's will. Like, what kind of stuff, Steve? What kind of prayers? Well, let me give you some examples. Your prayers are in there. You prayed for somebody's salvation. Their prayer's in there. We'll put the names of people that we love that need Jesus. Every time we're in the building, we're going to put their names there as an act of faith, asking Jesus to soften and tender their hearts. Every time you pray for God to give you strength, for God to open doors for you. Those prayers are in the golden bowls. When you pray for an unreached people group, we're praying for the Japanese. We're praying for the people from Nepal. We're praying for Israel and others. That's in the bowl. Now, my wife lost a TV remote. I'm not sure praying for that is in the bowl. Not sure. It might be. Not sure. Not sure. And your prayers are a sweet aroma <clears throat> to the Lord. Matter of fact, you as a born-again Christian, fill the Spirit of God. Wherever you are, there's a sweet aroma where you are if you're walking in the Spirit. People can feel a difference when you walk into a restaurant and you love Jesus. They can feel a difference. People come to your house. People drive by the church. People come on the church property. They go, "What's? I feel something there. What's going on? It's an aroma. I'll tell you something weird that's happened to me. Several times, the presence of the Lord has shown up and I've smelled something so incredibly sweet. And it's almost like the, yesterday in my office as I was studying three different times and there's nothing in my office that smells good. <laughs> there was the sweetest aroma three different times in my office and I stopped what I was doing and looked around and I think it was the Lord just saying I want you to know I love you and I'm helping you three your prayers are pleasing to the Lord when one of my kids or my granddaughter says Papa man it touches my heart it stirs my heart. And uh, here's this professional military man. He's in a really tough outpost in Caesarea. And one day, a super being steps into the room and calls him by name and says, Cornelius, the father knows everything about you. And he's going to open a door for you to the Gentiles of all the earth for three reasons. One, you love Israel. You have been kind and generous with your money. And the Father sees your prayer life even though you don't even understand it. Four, I want you to know your prayers are eternal. What do you mean eternal? If he keeps them, they must be eternal. If you're in the room today, if you know Jesus today, I don't know people in my family that were prayer warriors, but I came to Christ. There was somebody that prayed for you maybe three generations ago. There was a coach. There was a teacher. There was a great aunt. There was a grandfather that prayed for you four generations back. They didn't even know your name. And you're the kingdom because prayers are eternal. One day the father came and had a little talk with Isaac. One of the patriarchs, I guess he's 75, 80, maybe 90 years of age. He put his arm around him and he said something like this. You know, I... I'm blessing you. I'm multiplying everything you've got. I'm going to use your family to touch the nations of the earth. But he said, let me tell you why I'm doing it. 
I'm not doing it because of you. I'm doing it because your father, Abraham, walked with me, was a man of prayer. That's why I'm blessing you. Five, prayer can make the difference between somebody making it and somebody crashing and burning. Here, Peter had denied the master three times because the night before he said, well, if they deny you, not me, I'm not going to do it. And Jesus said, uh, excuse me, before the sun comes up, you're going to deny me three times. And lo and behold, it happened. But Jesus said this, I have prayed for you, Peter. After Satan runs over you with a combine tonight, that you'll get up and you'll repent and you'll strengthen your brothers. You might say this, well, shoot. I've been praying for my daughter for so long. She's still an addict. She's been with untold numbers of guys. She's rebellious, angry, disrespectful, depressed. I am seeing no movement. Steve, are you telling me I should keep praying? What, what's the answer? Yes. What else are you going to do if, if you don't? You can't talk to her. She's not listening. If you quit praying, there's almost zero chance she's going to turn the corner. It's always too soon to quit. The problem is you're looking with your eyes. You can't see what Jesus is about to do and what he's already done in our heart. Point six, prayers are effective. What do you mean effective? The prayers of a righteous man, righteous woman are powerful, effectual. And they make an impact every time. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. Write this in the margin somewhere. The prayers that are not prayed are the prayers that are never answered. And the devil wants you too busy, too tired, too distracted on too much media to pray. Because prayer changes things, because prayer gets God involved. Lord, here I am again this morning, one more time. Here I am again this morning, one more time. I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, I'm not stopping. And as a testimony, I am praying more than I've ever prayed in my entire life. Do you know why? I'm needier than I've ever been. How many are very needy? Hold your hand up. I can't fix what needs to be fixed. I can't do it. Zero capacity. Prayer brings the presence of the Lord. That's why we've been blessed here as a church family. That's why this city will be blessed. That's why the nation has been blessed in the past. And as you pray, you learn his ways. That's a great thing to pray. Lord, teach me your ways. I want to know your ways. And prayer will cause you to develop a deeper relationship with him because you'll start to learn his ways. I love what Hebrews says about Abraham the friend of God. Wouldn't you like for God to look down from heaven and turn to Gabriel and Michael and go, that woman right there, do you see her, is my friend. And any of us can get there. He met with Daniel and Gabriel came and said, Daniel, do you realize how much heaven loves you? Eight, prayer invites God to a partnership with you 
to work in your family. If he doesn't have a partner, I kind of believe now he doesn't move. Because if he's looking for somebody, he'll just say, I'll be your partner, Lord. I'll work with you. I got 2%. You bring the 98, that's good enough, Lord. Work in my family. Like Hannah, who couldn't have a child. God worked in his, her family. And her child, that was an impossible child, became the greatest leader in the entire nation for 60 years. Point number Tom, nine, prayer changes history. What do you mean changes? Do you believe that? Prayer changes history. Worship team, could you guys come on out? Well, what do you mean? Here's a story of Hezekiah. Surrounded with Assyrian troops, they were the early practitioners of warfare by terrorism. They tortured people. They burned cities to the ground. And they showed up outside of Jerusalem after destroying about three or four major cities. They were completely surrounded, about 300,000 troops. Isaiah didn't know what to do. He went to, I mean, Hezekiah didn't know what to do. He went to Isaiah the prophet. They prayed and talked. Isaiah took the letter from this Syrian commander and he went to the temple and he spread it on the floor saying, Lord, we have no strength. We're outnumbered. There's no hope. And we've been wicked. We repent. I would urge some of you to write down a letter to the Lord and put it on the floor and talk to him about it. And the Lord answered his prayer because the very next day when sunrise came, there were 185,000 Assyrian troops dead in their bedrolls. That really happened. History belongs to the intercessors. You see this right here? This is called Sennacherib's Stella. It was found in Nineveh, the capital city. You know what it talks about? The campaign in Judah. It talks about rebellious Hezekiah. It talks about we Assyrians did everything. And we pulled out of there all because all the Chick-fil-A's were closed for a week. And so we had to leave and go back. It's called the earliest form of fake news. He had no mention that half of his army turned up dead in 24 hours. So here's what I'm asking. 40 days, have a daily quiet time. If you never learn to have a quiet time, you'll be a baby Christian all your life. This is something we all must do. Number two, use this prayer guide. You and your spouse, do it together. Pray for the nations of the earth. Number three, join us. We're going to vote Fridays for seven Fridays to fasting. You can just miss lunch. Pray for that daughter over the lunch hour. Fasting gives power to your prayer. Join a prayer group. You can find every prayer group on that little bookmark with the Q&R code. Number six, the two 24-hour prayer meetings. You have to do all this, but we want to tell you what's available. And number six, put the names of people as an act of faith that need Jesus in their heart. And last one on Tuesday night. We're going to cry out to the Lord for him to come. Now let's close our eyes and bow our heads. If you're willing to ask the Lord Jesus to grow your prayer life during the next 40 days, I want to pray for you, but I want you to hold your hand up. If you're willing to ask Jesus to grow your prayer life, hold your hand up and keep it up. Hold your hand up and keep it up. Hold your hand up and keep it up. Lord, you see our hearts. You see our hand. Lord, the bowls are ready for our prayers. 
Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to block out times for Bible reading and prayer. And help us to hang out with other Christians so we can learn to pray in a deeper way. And we thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. As the worship team leads us in our final song, the altar is open. There's people here that will pray for you. But I want you to get excited about what's going to happen this spring in your life and in your family. The disciples, they, they saw that the power came from Jesus' times where he went off by himself. And they said, tell us how to do that. How do we do what you've been doing? And so we're going to sing this last song, if you all will stand. And these are the words that Jesus taught them how to pray. And we're going to just sing this out together as we start out this season of prayer together as a church.
heaven come in the Ukraine. Open up the heavens, Jesus. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, don't wait. Do it today. Pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I give you everything. Change me. Make me your child and I'll spend my life serving you. Until heaven comes. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, come see one of us. There's people that will pray with you. Slip out, pick up your children. Have a great day. God bless you. for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.